Bible with you this morning. Hold up your hand. We have extra Bibles and things. We'd be glad to let you uh, use one of ours. Hold up your hand if you need a Bible. And go to 1 Samuel 2 and Romans 13. 1 Samuel 2 and Romans 13. I believe we should be excited about the future. I believe God has a very good plan for us. And our days to come will be far better than our days behind us. We've been, uh, and I I believe what we're on is part of that. Part of of us getting there, being there. If our uh, days to come... We're much better and more blessed and on a higher level than our past days. That would be God honoring us, wouldn't it? And we have found that that Him honoring us is directly connected to us honoring Him. In 1 Samuel 2 and verse 30, 1 Samuel 2 verse 30, the end of the, the verse here, it says, For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Let's say that out loud, all of us, a couple of times. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Let's say it again. For them that honor me, I will honor. Who said that? God said it. Can you count on that? Now, the last part's just as true as the first part. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. If you honor him, you'll be honored. If you despise him, you'll be despised. If you treat him and his things as lightly, trivial, insignificant, that's how you and your things will be treated. I don't know that that has really been taught as much as it should be. People tend to not want to think about that. But it's true. Uh, If you don't hold God's things as valuable and and important, then your things are not going to be treated as valuable and important. Go to Romans 13, if you would. Romans, 13th chapter and the 7th verse. It said, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. The God's Word translation says, Pay everyone whatever you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay them. If you owe tolls, pay them. If you owe someone respect, respect that person. If you owe someone honor, honor that person. Now, most Christians need major mind renewal in the areas of uh, respect and honor. Because uh, their minds have been conformed to the world's way of thinking. When you talk about respect and honor, so many times people just think about their self. Well, yeah, you have to respect me. And they demand respect. You will respect me in my house, in my place, business, at my job. You will respect me. So they demand respect. That does not work. Demanding, well, you have to respect me. No, they never have to respect you. No matter how much you pound your fist or stomp your, your foot, you don't get respect by demanding it. You, you hear a, a criminals sometimes say, well, I'll, I'll stick my uh, forty five in your face. You'll show me some respect. That's not respect. Maybe fear. You may force somebody to do something at fear of losing their life, but that's got nothing to do with respect or honor. No, if you want a respect, you need to sow respect. Don't demand respect, demonstrate respect. And if you pay the respect you owe, then you'll reap the respect you sow. Now also, we, uh, the world's way of thinking is, well, if I'm going to respect you, I, have to, I, I withhold my respect until I've determined that you have earned my respect, that you merit my respect. But that is ungodly. That's a worldly way of thinking. The Bible says you owe certain ones respect regardless of how you feel about it. If the Lord says you owe them respect, then you are to pay. He compares paying respect to paying taxes, to paying bills. And so we need mind renewal. 
And you may not be able to appreciate everything a person in authority or a person over you in some capacity says or does, but you must respect the place that they stand in, or else why you disrespect the God who created the place and put the people in the place. So, do you think we have some more to learn about these things? Are you hungry to learn about it? I'm convinced the Lord's helping us. He's teaching me. I'm, I'm learning some things that, and seeing them in a clearer way than I've seen them before and seeing some things I hadn't seen before. I'm excited about it because if we really learn how to show more honor and respect to Him, tell me what's going to happen. He will honor us more. Are we interested in that? Do we care about it? Oh, friend, when, when your bills are paid, and you not only are making it, but you're prospering and increasing in a world where people are losing everything they've got and not making it. That's God honoring you. Can you see that? I mean, when you're healed and your babies are healed and you overcome when other people lose their family members and die prematurely and accidents happen and you're protected, that's God honoring you. And one of the greatest ways that He honors us is with His presence. With His presence. People talk about that with natural, secular things. They're having this uh, event, and so and so came and graced us, honored us with their presence. Well, there is no greater than the Almighty. And when He shows up at your function, you've been honored, right? And he, we know He's everywhere, but He's not manifested to the same degree everywhere. Is it true that you and I, we can initiate a greater manifestation of the presence of God? From this, can you see what I'm talking about? How? If we show him greater honor and respect, what he say he's going to do? He's going to honor us so that meant more. What if we honor him greatly? <laughs> then he's going to honor us greatly. This is very, very important, very wonderful. We went back to the book of Genesis and we saw the origin of dishonor. We saw the beginning of disrespect. Uh, there was no disrespect uh, between God and Adam and Eve uh, as he communed with them and, and they with he in the beginning days before the fall. But when the devil came on the scene, we see disrespect. We see he said, he questioned God. Has God said, hear the tone? And, and then uh, when, when Eve told him what God said, he contradicted God and said, no, no. You won't really die basically calling God a liar. And he's the liar. And so isn't that disrespectful? And then we see them following suit and following the devil and showing disrespect to God. Eve took of the fruit and, gave to, and ate it and gave to Adam and he ate it. They had to ignore God to do this, didn't they? They had to ignore what he told them. The plain things that he, direction he gave them about the, the tree, they had to ignore it. And then when they fell and God came to talk to them and ask them, did you eat of the, the fruit of the tree? They were defensive and deflective. Can you see the disrespect in all this? He said, Adam, did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to? What's the answer to that? Yes. yes. But instead of saying that, he started explaining it. Well, the woman that you gave me. He, he's, can you see the defensiveness and the deflect? That's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. And so the Lord is teaching us. Uh, he's unfolding some things to us. I'm convinced of it. Right here, right now, you and me in Branson and everybody joined with us around the world. We're learning. And he's emphasizing to us. Uh, that honor and respect, a big part of it, is what you don't say and what you don't do and that you and I should be on a, a, a mission to stop the disrespect, to stop it. We've grown up in a generation that has lost things about honor and respect and, and some people are, are, are second and third generation now that have grown up hardly knowing anything about respect and people just say and do all manner of dishonorable things and don't act like they don't even see it, don't even know it. But even though we're in the world, we're not of the world. And we don't have to be conformed to the world. We can be a light in the middle of a dark world. 
And I, we already see some indication of it. And I'm believing that ourselves and our young people and our children will be witnesses. We've already seen, we've had, we've had adults in different institutes in the city and counties around that have wanted to find out more about the church because of our kids. That's right. And because of our youth, they said, wow, what a respectful young man. What a fine child. So, so peaceful and so nice. And yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. And, and I thought that was dead. I thought that was gone. It is a strong witness. I said, it is a strong witness. Do you believe, though, that we've learned all that we can, can be learned about it? Or are we just in the beginnings of this? Do we need to come way, way on up? From where we are. Well, the Lord gave us, uh, is in the process of giving us five eyes of disrespect that we can identify in ourselves and, and get rid of. If you haven't been with us, let me encourage you uh, get online, download it. It's, it's there in its entirety for no charge. If you're in the building, you can go in the back, you can get CDs, DVDs, and, and get caught up. We've already covered a lot of ground. But the first one was what? Ignoring, that we've already talked some about. Ignoring is disrespectful. What was the second one? Interrupting. Interrupting. Um, let me just read the scripture to you. Uh, in Proverbs eighteen thirteen, in the easy to read, it says, Let people finish speaking before you try to answer them. That way you'll not embarrass yourself and look foolish. Interrupting people is very uh, disrespectful. And, you know, when it comes to prayer, prayer is not supposed to be a monologue. Hmm? It's supposed to be a dialogue. You're supposed, yeah, you can speak to the Lord, but you're supposed to do a lot of listening. And, and you know, the, the one who knows less should do more listening. Right? And so uh, a lot of people are big on prayer but they're just big on them talking all the time. No, prayer is not just you talking all the time. We must learn a huge part of our walk with God is learning how to hear Him. Learning how to listen to Him and hear Him. And so when He's speaking, certainly you ought not interrupt Him. And, uh, uh, you know, if somebody's talking to you, I don't care who it is, surely you can wait a few seconds and let them finish their sentence. Right? And, and show some, some simple respect. Also, uh, what was the third one? Anybody remember? Intruding. Intruding is disrespectful. Um, Proverbs 25, 6 and 7 talks about don't put yourself forward. Don't demand. Don't push for a place. Better to wait for an invitation. He talked about. And uh, th this has to do with the nature of our, our God. He's not pushy. God doesn't push His way into your life. Remember the scripture says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will, will open, if he'll, if he'll you know, allow the Lord to come in, then he will enter in and you'll sup and have fellowship with him. But God is not a forcer. He's not a, a, a manipulator. The devil is, is pushy. The devil will try to control you against your will. Not God. If God was going to make anybody do anything, He'd make people get saved. Wouldn't He? He'd say, I know you don't believe in me, and I know you don't want any of this, but you're just too stupid to know, and I'm going to save you anyway. So just say, here I come. You'll thank me later. Some said, man, I wish He would do that. No, He wouldn't be who He is. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's devil-like. You're going, to, you're going to get this no matter what. No, it, no matter how desperately you need something and how easy it is for God to do it for you, He's not going to push it off on you. He's not going to make you have it. You have to invite Him. You have to ask Him. So uh, intruding is disrespectful, and you and I don't want to be that way. Anybody remember the other one? Four was interfering. Now these are all tied together because so many times people intrude into a situation and then they stay and remain there so they can interfere. <laughs> and it's all disrespectful. Uh, the scripture said in Proverbs twenty six seventeen, 
It says, uh, like one that seizes a dog by the ears is a passerby who meddles in a quarrel not his own. You know, it's a bad idea run grabbing a strange dog's ears. That's a good way to get bit. And a lot of people have stuck their nose where it doesn't belong, and it's a good way to lose a nose. And uh, you need to ask yourself, like we're talking about the intruding, who invited you? Who asked you? And uh, we saw Jesus talking to Peter, telling him by what death he was going to glorify God. And so Peter, instead of talking to Jesus about what he's talking to him about, he changes the subject. He reaches over points to John and says, well, what about him? You know, uh, what's going to happen to him? And the Lord looked at him and said, uh, if I want him to stay, remain alive till I come back. What is that to you? Basically, he's saying, if I, if I choose him not to die. Because he's asking, well, I, you, that's how I'm going to die. How's he going to die? He said, if I want him to remain till I come back, what is that to you? You follow me. And uh, let's take heed to the Lord's words. There are a whole lot of things in this life that's just none of your business. Right? And you need to have enough sense to discern that. And know when to stay out. And to be quiet. And don't be, because if you do, if you push on, if you intrude into it, if you interfere in it, you are being disrespectful of them and their space. Have you ever heard the term respect their privacy? How do you do that? How do you do that? You need to know there are lines you shouldn't cross. There are, there are things you should stay out of. Things you should have nothing to say about. And we live in a world where people don't observe any lines. Well, they just blare into anything and everything and just talk when nobody asked them and just push in and start doing when nobody invited them. This is not godly. This is not the way of the Lord. And uh, you and I are learning not to be this way. Right? Are you interested in learning and growing in this? Sit out loud, Lord, help me. Be aware of these things all the time. And at any point, I'd begin to transgress violate these truths alert me check me strongly and by your grace I'll stop I'll change hallelujah well look for him to do it he will and when he does don't just keep pushing through don't override it stop and if you need to repent to them right, right on the spot say I'm sorry I, that was none of my business I shouldn't have asked that I shouldn't be doing that and repent right there. And if you'll do that on a regular basis, you'll change. Anybody remember the, uh, the, the last one we got into here? The fifth one, the five eyes of disrespect that we've been talking about. The fifth one was insulting. Insulting. And you can see that these have gotten progressively worse. And this is, this is one of the very worst ones you could talk about. Insulting. Go with me to Second uh, Timothy, the third chapter, please. You believe in God with me today? Yes. Please do. Third Tim, excuse me, Second Timothy, third chapter. Second Timothy three and one. This is the God's Word translation on this one. It says you must understand this: in the last days, there'll be violent periods of time. People will be selfish and love money. There's that loving money again. Did you know you don't have to have any money to love money? <laughs> Some of the most covetous money-loving people there are are poor people. They just sit around and dream and, and long for money. No, loving money is, you don't have to have any to do that. They'll be selfish and love money. They will brag and be arrogant. Notice this, they will use what? abusive language they will curse their parents show no gratitude and have no respect for what is holy you know the English definition of the word profanity is to be irreverent of God and of the things and people of God that's the English definition profane profanity we begin to get into talking about cussing, and we'll, we'll say some more of that. But uh, it said abusive language. It, it went on in the uh, uh, 
third verse, it says they'll lack normal affection and self-control. They'll be brutal. They'll have no love for what is good. Uh, excuse me, I'm moving too fast. They'll refuse to make peace with anyone. They will be slanderous. Slanderous and abusive language is about as disrespectful and dishonoring as you can get. Did you know it mentioned uh, cursing your parents? Did you know under the old covenant, the first covenant, you were executed for that? Did you know that? If you cursed your parents, they'd bring you out. And uh, did they really curse their parents? And, and people would bear witness that heard it. And they'd take them out and stone them and kill them. At God's direction. Do you see how far uh, generations have fallen? From proper respect and honor. Abusive language. Now, we, uh, the, the words here that are used to describe these kind of things are slander, reviling, blaspheming. And all of these are dealing with the same thing. Slander, to revile, means uh, to, to speak reproachfully, irreverently, disrespectfully. To blaspheme means a very similar thing. Speak evil of, to slander, to abuse, to speak irreverently of God. You can even use good terminology in a bad way. We're going to see that it's the spirit of it. It's the tone of it and the attitude of it. And it's so common and prevalent today that a lot of people don't even notice it anymore. But it shouldn't be in our mouths. It shouldn't be a part of our ways. When you're talking about cussing, most all Christians know cussing is bad. You shouldn't cuss. Uh, a lot of them do. Christians I'm talking about. Not all the time, just when they get real upset. <laughs> but uh, what's wrong with cussing? People are religious about it. Ooh, they said a bad word. Ooh. That's, what does that mean? No, there's a lot more to it. We talked about uh, how that words are more than letters. Letters grouped together to make a word doesn't mean anything uh, unless you understand the language. And then they can mean a night and day difference depending on how they're used. And so words are simply containers that you put spiritual substance into. So when people are cussing, and particularly when people get really upset, you can tell folks get animated. And I mean, they're really trying to put something into these words. You, you blankety blank, blankety blank, you the size blankety blank, I'm a blankety blank blank. <laughs> what, what's going on here? What are they trying to do? They're really making an effort to put something into these words, aren't they? What? What are they trying to put in these words? They are trying to demean, devalue, debase, right? How sorry, how low, how nothing, right? This is devilish. The Holy Spirit didn't inspire you to do that and say that. So what spirit is that? This is devilish. So it's not just cussing a bad thing that Christians ought not do. One of the things that the church and everybody on the planet needs such a revelation of is the value and significance of words. God created the heavens and the earth, everything we see with his words. He had it inside himself and he chose words and he put creative power in those words. And when he spoke them and released them, light became. Didn't he? And he gave you and I one of the highest honors. I mean, we have a place above angels, above any other created being. He's made us speaking spirits. We have the freedom to choose whatever we want to say. We can say anything we want to say. Now we should act like our God. And fill our words full of faith. 
right? And love and peace and grace and joy. And we should speak on purpose to affect, to encourage, to enable, to empower. Can you say amen? amen? But the devil would have you fill your words with hate. And with this despising and disgust and, and cursing and death. Have you ever noticed what's popular in the world? Is always perverted and twisted. I mean, you know, it's not popular to bless. It's popular to damn stuff. Damn, damn, damn. I mean, it's popular. It's supposed to be cool to draw out the word damn and hyphenate it. Damn. That's supposed to be cool. Why isn't it cool to go, bless? Woo! Blessed. Blessed. Is something supposed to be real sharp and nice? You go, oh man, that's wicked. 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 Something's great to go, oh, that's bad. That's bad. Why am I saying that? You should not twist your words. And say mean the opposite of what you are trying to say. That's devilish. That's being deceived. If it's nice, say it's nice. Right? If it's good, don't call it bad. And don't be damning anything. (laughs) Or cursing anything. Or trying to demean or belittle anything. We are speakers of life. We are blessers. Edifiers, encouragers, and friend, you can get good at this. God, if you if you a mind to put yourself to it and apply and try, God will use you, and He'll give you the right word at the right time in the situation. I've had Him use me before. I hadn't done it always perfectly, but there's been times and situations I just looked down. I said, "Lord, they're hurting. What can I say? What can I do?" And He'd give it to me. When He did, I'd go, "Oh, that's it. That's it. That's it." And he'd show me what to say and how to say it. And you could just see the pain come out of their face. You could just see the burden come off of them. This is valuable. This is, didn't the Bible say that death and life, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Uh, while we're talking about this, go with me over to the book of Proverbs, please. Thank you, Master. Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12 and 18. Proverbs 12, 18. There is that speaks like the piercings of a sword. There are words that are just like stabbing people. Has the same effect. But the tongue of the wise is health. Just like there are words that pierce and do damage and hurt, there are words that literally heal. How many would be willing to speak words into people that would literally come out of your spirit and out of your mouth and there would be a tangible anointing would come into them and start Fixing something. This is not imaginary. This is real. If we we would learn to, to operate the way the Master has taught us. How did Jesus live? Did He speak words? Did He change things with His words? You know He did. He spoke to trees. Didn't He? He spoke to the wind. He spoke to waves. He spoke to fevers. Remember Peter's mother-in-law? Taken with a great fever. I remember reading that years ago. And it said, Jesus rebuked the fever. And I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's not talking to God. He's not praying. He's not talking to Peter's mother-in-law. He's talking directly to a fever. And he's not, he's not inviting it kindly. He's rebuking. Well, what's a rebuke? Get out of here. Get out of here, fever. And then I thought, can a fever hear? 
And I read the next verse and it says, and it departed from her. I thought, yeah. Uh, fevers can hear. And if fevers can hear, ulcers can hear, high blood pressure can hear, tumors can hear, cancers can hear. But how many, how many, even of our own folks right here, if your child has a fever and you thought, man, look, they're running, you know, a hundred and something. Do you immediately think, talk to that thing. Talk to that fever. Is that how you think? <laughs> Two or three people nodded their head. We should think like this. We should operate this way. And one reason why it's been so lack is people haven't valued their words and they just say anything and everything and they don't expect any of it to come to pass and you can't act that way and then all at once you want to say something and it happened. If your words have no power, you know, most of the week, then you can't just flip a switch and it's got all this power right now at the moment. We need to control our words, don't we? He said... Uh, that there is that, that pierces. Verse, uh, the, the, the basic, excuse me, the BBE. There are some uncontrolled talk is like wounds of a sword, but the tongue of the wise makes one well again. The complete English says, sharp words cut like a sword, but words of wisdom heal. Thank you, Lord. So when people are cussing, and when they're trying to insult, when they're trying to slander, what are they doing? They are making an effort to put evil spirit quantity in these words. They are trying to release damage and death, aren't they? And that ought not be in our mouths. I don't care how mad you get. I don't care how upset you get. Never should this be in our mouth. The Bible said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Let's look at some examples of this. You know, they, they insulted Jesus, didn't they? they? They said things to him and about him that was so, so dishonoring. In John 8 and 48, John eight forty eight. Then answered the Jews, and they said to him, Say we not well that you are a Samaritan, and you have a devil? Are they trying to put something in, in their words to cut him, to demean him, to debase him? And he said, verse 49, he said, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and you do dishonor me. Jesus remarked about how dishonoring their words were. You know, listen to this phrase in John 9, 29. John 9, 29. The religious leaders were saying this. They said, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. This fellow. Who are they talking about? We'd say today, this guy, this guy, you know, it's not cool to refer to uh, your father as my old man. Hmm? You, you shouldn't use my old man, my old lady. That's not cool. That's ungodly. That's worldly. It's disrespectful. Well, that's just the way we talk. Well, you need to change. If you're a believer, you need to put more stock in the Word than you do tradition and whosoever's ways. Uh, I've had people come to me when I was working at uh, Raymond Bible Training Center. And uh, I, I was there, you know, overall for a, a number of years. And graduates... Graduates, I'll meet them out on the road in the road somewhere, and they say, Well, how's the old man? They tell my brother Hagen, founder of the school. You just shake your head, you think, Man, after all this, after all that you've heard and you've seen and you've done, and, and no, no more respect than that. Is it okay to talk that way? No. Do a lot of people talk that way, though? 
Well, the Lord's teaching us, will we receive it? Will we make the corrections? Will we change? Um, they said they had about Moses, you know, in Acts 7, uh, 40. They said to Aaron, make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. This guy. Watch out for that kind of language. Because that is that's gross disrespect and dishonor. And it's, it's attached to some serious things. As, as we go further in this, you'll see this kind of talk and this kind of action brings judgment. I said it brings judgment. Because God takes it personally. <clears throat> Can you take the rest of this? Yeah. Um, are you holding a verse or not? Go over with me to uh, Matthew 27. Insulting is obviously dishonoring and disrespectful. When Jesus was scourged, when he was hung on the cross, they did this. They, they mocked him and they slandered him. And you'll see, you can take a respectful term and use it in a disrespectful manner. In Matthew 27, 29... When they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knees before him. Were they really worshiping him? No. They're mocking him. They mocked him and they said, Hell, King of the Jews! Is he the king? But are they serious about this? Are they say No, they are they're twisting it. They're saying it, but they mean the opposite. Uh they spit on him. In verse 31, after they mocked him, they took the robe off him. Verse 41, the chief priest. He's supposed to be the leaders of the people. They're mocking him. And verse 42, they said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down off the cross and we'll believe him. Mocking. Slander. Demeaning. You can take a respectful term and use it in a disrespectful way. Well, I guess you think you're the head of this thing. Hmm? What? Yeah, oh, you're in charge. <laughs> we need to eliminate from our vocabulary sarcasm. Sarcasm and irony is saying something but meaning the opposite. Even in simple things like, you know, oh, this is some pretty weather we're having, isn't it? And it's just storming outside. Somebody says, what's wrong with that? You don't want to practice that. Because you're, you're saying the opposite of what you mean. What good can come out of that? You're twisting your words. Well, aren't they a pretty thing? Oh, yeah, you're a fine Christian, aren't you? This is the language of the devil. This is how he talks. You don't want this in your mouth. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. Don't twist them. And don't take a respectful term and say it in a sarcastic voice. Now, notice this. Go with me to 2 Kings, please. I got some more. Can you take it? Yes. Do you want to know? Yes. I believe it's important. Second Kings, first chapter. Second Kings one. In this uh, historical account, the king had gotten sick. The king was very ungodly. And so he sent messengers to prophets and ministers of a false god to inquire about him getting healed. And the man of God met him, met his messengers, and said to them, Is it because there's no God in Israel that you sent out to these false gods? I got your message right here. 
You go back and tell him, no, he ain't going to make it. <laughs> He's not going to be healed. <laughs> That's the Keith Moore paraphrase. <laughs> well, it made the king mad. Oh, it upset him. He thought, he's not going to talk to me that way. And so he sent a captain of 50 and 50 soldiers to get him and drag him in front of the king. He's going to show him who's king around here. And verse 9, look at this. Then the king sent unto him a captain of 50 with his 50. And he went up to him and behold, he, the man of God, sat up on top of a hill. And he, the captain of 50, he spoke to him. He said, you man of God. The king said, come down. Now, man of God, is that a correct term? Is he a man of God? Yeah. But is he using it in a respectful way? He's using a a respectful term in a disrespectful way. Sarcastically. Oh, man of God. Come down. Verse 10. Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And there was a loud sound. And there came fire down from heaven. We might call it lightning. It's usually what, how fire comes down out of, out of heaven. And consumed him. And his 50, I mean 51 people were burnt up in a moment. Ashes on the ground. How many believe this really happened? This actually happened. I know some people don't, but it did. It happened just this way. Verse 11. So the king sent another captain of 50. With his, this guy's slow. And he answered and come and said, Oh, man of God, the king said, Get down here now. Come down quickly. Stupid. Everybody say stupid. What's, what's he doing? He's seeing how disrespectful he can be. Isn't he? Oh, he's, he, man of God is the correct term. Just like king of Israel was the correct term. But he's using it in a sarcastic, disrespectful way. And here he throws it in. I said, get down here now. Verse 12. Elijah answered and said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you. And your 50 kapow. (laughs) It happened. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. A hundred and two men burnt to ashes. Now. Because they didn't know how to talk. You'll find in these areas that railing against God, slandering and blaspheming can provoke Him. I said it can provoke, it has, and it can provoke Him. There's some things that are obviously just too much to let go. And He had to answer it. Now verse 13. The king sent another. You can tell it's not him having to go, can't you? (laughs) Captain of the third 50. And his 50. And the third captain of 50 went up and came and fell on his knees (laughs) before Elijah. Ah, Smart man. And besought him. And said unto him, O man of God. How many think he said it in a completely different way than the previous two? O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these 50 your servants be precious in your sight. Please hold the fire. (laughs) I'm not demanding anything. I'm asking. 
Does it make any difference how you approach people and situations? Whether you come in demanding and smart mouth and disrespectful. Or whether you come in with respect and humble. And giving honor to those to whom honor is due. Will it make a big difference in what you get? What kind of response you get? Absolutely. Notice this. Verse 14. He said, Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burn up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in your sight. Verse 15. And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Don't be afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him to the king. This is such a clear example of our text. Isn't it? What does our text say? Them that honor me, I will honor. What about those that despise me? They'll be lightly esteemed. Those first two captains and their fifties, they despised the man of God. And in so doing, they despised God himself. I mean, who are they talking like this to? This man of God stands at the very forefront in the earth, in the ministry of the prophet. God called, God chosen, God anointed. And they dare to talk to him like this and act like this? Well, because they treated him as nothing and insignificant, God treated their lives as unimportant and expendable. Do you see this? A hundred and two of them wiped out like that. You want to treat God like he's unimportant? That's what you can get. You can be treated like you're totally unimportant, unnecessary, unimportant. But here a man came and treated the man of God and treated God like he was important, like he was powerful, like he had some say-so, like he mattered. And here God gives this man respect. Not only was his life spared, but he allowed him to complete his mission, told the man of God to go with him. Didn't he? Yes, sir. Them that honor me, I will honor. Those that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You can really see it here, can't you? Well, you're, you're there in Second Kings. Go over to the uh, <clears throat> let's see. Got my notes turned around here. Uh, second chapter is close by. <laughs> second Kings, second chapter, verse twenty-three. Second Kings two, twenty-three. He and this is Elisha. He was going up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up, by the way, there came forth little children. Now, other um, translations bring out youths. And they mocked him. And they said to him, go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. God's word translation says, uh, boys came out of the city and mocked him. They said, go away, baldy. Go away. The, the, base, the, the BBE says uh, boys came out and, and made sport of him. And they said, go up, old no hair. Go up, old no hair. Now, friend, when we hear this kind of talk, it should make us cringe. When somebody is, is this ignorant to speak this derogatorily of God's man. God's people, God's anointed. How many remember the scripture says more than once, touch not? God's anointed. Why? Well, he takes it personally. God takes it like you're touching him personally. Do you remember when Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus? He saw that bright light. And what did Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my Christians? No, no. What did he say? Why are you doing this to me? And Paul said, who are you? 
He thought, I didn't do anything to you. Oh, yes, you did. The Lord takes it personally. When you speak about his people and you do things to it, he takes it like you're doing it directly to him. And that's why you see these responses. And you and I should cringe when we hear people speaking so disrespectfully. Go up, you old bald head. You old, I'm sure they said other stuff. But uh, the Bible said he turned around and looked at them and, and spoke out a curse. Now, he didn't just do this at whim. The anointing came on him. He said, man, I'm glad we're not in the Old Testament. How about the New Testament? You remember that Elam was the sorcerer? The Spirit of God came on Paul. He said, you child of all subtlety, you child of the devil, you're going to be blind for a season, not be able to see. And just like that, he lost his sight. New Testament. We've been talking about miracles. We've been talking about signs. We're talking about wonder. Some of these are in these areas. Can you see how all this goes together? The Lord's teaching us. He's bringing us into some areas we might not have thought as much about. People have created God in the image of their ideas, in the image of their denomination's ideas, and they don't like to hear some of these things. Listen, God is awesome. He is not to be trifled with. He's not to be treated with contempt. He is, His holiness and purity is beyond reproach and examination and His wisdom. And everything He does and everything He has not done, everything He has performed, everything He has allowed is perfectly just and righteous. Whether you see it or whether you don't, He ought to be respected. He ought to be honored. Shouldn't he? He ought to be revered. And the Bible said, Inasmuch as you've done it or not done it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it or didn't do it to me. Jesus said, If they they don't receive you, they don't receive me. If they don't receive me, they don't receive the one that sent me. As we've talked about it before, showing honor to God means showing honor to people. Men and women that are like you, that are not perfect, but that's not what makes them special. The call of God, the hand of God, the manifestation. When God chooses somebody, when he does something through them, you may not be able to see why he chose them, but the fact that he chose them ought to be good enough for you. Hmm? Sometimes you might look at it and just shake your head and go, man, wonder why he picked them. He knows things you don't know. He knows their hearts. And if he picked them, that ought to be good enough for you. And if he used them, whether it's a brother or sister, it doesn't have to be a minister, a brother or sister, he used them in some capacity, you ought to respect that and not allow yourself to speak any kind of demeaning, debasing, derogatory thing. The man of God wheeled around. He spoke over them. A Bible said two uh, she-bears came out of the woods and mauled them, killed 42 of them. I know people don't like to hear that, but it happened. Why did it happen? Because these kids didn't have enough sense but to go out here and talk like this to a man of God. And what's worse, their parents didn't have enough sense to teach them better than this. This this is an indictment of how far this generation had gotten away from God. Because, you know, kids, I mean, kids can make mistakes. They can go out and do stuff different than what their parents taught them. I know that. But for the more part, if they had come up in a home that feared God, they wouldn't have wanted to be a part of such a thing. They'd have said, well, you can do it, but I'm not. I'm I'm going to the house. And and they'd have still been alive. Right? And why would the Lord allow this? This This is radical. I mean, this is like these 102 guys getting burned up. This is very... Serious. Why would he allow this? He wanted every boy and every girl among his people to know that story. Didn't he? He wanted everyone growing up to know and realize, oh man, don't don't mock the man of God. Don't say that. I mean, you remember the story? The bears came out of the woods and God. Wouldn't that make an impression on a little kid? 
And isn't it sad that we got so many little ones today that a little spit and cuss in their mother's face. Say and do things with their teachers. And that just, we, we've had little ones in Sunday school. I mean, you, uh, well, you just couldn't believe the foul language coming out of that little child's mouth. Well, where'd they get that? This needs to change. It's already begun to change. I believe God's doing a great thing in us and for us. And through. We have already, like I've mentioned, we've already had uh, uh, people in the community uh, that want to know more about the church because of our kids. They'd say, wow. They, they write us letters and say, man, that, that young man is the most respectful, finest young man, young woman. That little child, most respectful, peaceful, kindest little child. I thought all that was gone. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. So nice. So polite. So respectful. This is a witness. This is light in a dark world. It starts with you. It can be passed down to your kids. If the Lord tarries is coming, the next generation can take it to a whole other level. And tell me the good thing about it. If we honor Him, He's going to honor us. Now you might say, well, Brother Keith, you know what? 102 being burnt up in a moment. Uh, 42 kids being destroyed by wild animals. Why don't we hear more of that today? Well, maybe that's just Old Testament. No, Ananias and Sapphira is not Old Testament, is it? They stood up and disrespected the man of God and got lied to the man of God to his face. And, he, and Peter said, you hadn't just lied to me. You lied to God. And fell, they fell dead when they heard those words. Boom, they, they, they hit the ground. And you might say, I wonder why we don't, hadn't seen more of that. Uh, three words, mercy of God. You think about this. The Bible said judgment must first begin at the house of God. If... Judgment came full measure on these kind of things for disrespect and dishonor. How much of the church would we lose before people got a hold of it? It's the mercy of God, isn't it? But the increase of power and the increase of the manifestation of God's presence and miracles goes hand in hand with this. I have... uh, I spent some time uh, watching some of the old videos and, and the old books of people that were used in great ways uh, by the Spirit of God in times past, some of the earliest available. And some of them, you can see, they had such a reverence for God. And they would warn people. Uh, I'm thinking of a man of God right now. He had amazing miracles, amazing miracles. And he would warn people. He would say, don't you sit in here and, and, and think like that and imagine like that. Something bad could happen to you. See, that sounds strange to our ears now. And he warned them that some of the things that the people were being delivered from, if they sat out there and mocked it, some of those things could come on them. Have we even heard such things today? Do we even think like that? It's because people have lost fear of God. They don't have the fear of God. And their people don't even believe God exists. So that's why they got no qualms about using the Lord's name in vain and saying such terrible things about Jesus and His church. Because they think, well, ain't nobody hearing it. Nothing to it. It's not true. They are wrong. He hears. He sees. He knows. And there have been times throughout history that people's blasphemies and their slander provoked him. And he, he didn't let it go. He answered. You know, there's, a, there's an exciting side of this too. Uh, you watch it when somebody starts. Uh, I'm trying to rush a little bit. Do you have a few minutes or not? Uh, when somebody starts talking in God's face, I start smiling. Because I know <laughs> they're setting themselves up. And uh, do you remember that uh, s- numerous occasions in the scripture uh, when uh, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when the king, he said, you know, uh, if you don't bow down when the music sounds, I'm going to throw you into that furnace. And what God is that that can deliver you out of my hand? That's the kind of language I'm talking about. When people talk like that, you need to stand back to a safe distance. Because <laughs> God hears it. And there's some of this, He just won't let it go. He, some of it He lets it pass because they're ignorant. But there's some folk that say, they say things they ought not say. And I'm telling you, did God show up or not? He showed up, and next thing you know, oh, Nebuchadnezzar is trembling. And he's saying, who else is in that fire? Who is that in there? And then he writes a letter to everybody that they better show the, the, the God of Ab- uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego some respect. And if they don't show him some respect, he's going to come tear their house down. Oh, boy. He got converted, didn't he? <laughs> he was the most blasphemous one out there. <laughs> but, but it changed. And uh, you, you see when people speak this, this defying talk, what God could do that? Your God's not real. Oh, man. He hears it. I know uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis, and we were talking years ago, there was something he wanted for his aircraft on their, on their airport. And nobody had ever had it before. And he wanted it. And he was going to believe to have it. And uh, the people in charge told him, that ain't never happened. It ain't never going to happen. The huge oil companies have tried to do it, and they couldn't do it. The mob tried to do it, and they couldn't do it. And not even your God can do that. (laughs) And he told me, and me and him him laughed. I said, "Uh uh-huh, let him say it again. Let him say it again. You know what happened? He got it. I mean, officials from high up in the government got involved. And they said, you've got to let this man do this. And it happened. And he's got it. It's, and they, all of them still got their mouth open going, That's right. how? <laughs> don't say God can't do it. Right. Don't, don't get up in God's face. <laughs> well, if they blaspheme, they do. But see to it that it never comes out of your mouth. That you never get smart mouth with God. And you never, uh, you know, you, you, I've heard preachers, bless their hearts, how would they think this way? Get in God's face and go, come on now God, I've served you. Where are you? I've done my part. Why aren't you? Well, watch out. Uh, who, do you know who you're talking to? You get smart mouth with God. Think about the third captain of 50. How many think he's a good example? He he comes, he hits the ground. Boom! Oh, man of God. He says it in a nice way. Oh, man of God. Oh, man of God. Please, let our lives be worth something in your eyes. And because he showed honor, he got honor. Stand on your feet, everybody. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Go ahead. Let there be glory.
eyes. Pray this out loud with me if your heart agrees with it, if you mean it. Say, Father God, I desire to show you the honor and the respect that you ought to have. You're worthy of it. Forgive me, whether ignorantly or rebelliously, being disrespectful to you, your people, your things. It's not my heart today. It's not my choice. I choose to honor you and yours. Oh, I thank you. Oh, I praise you. Oh, I bless you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Let's sing it again.